Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to Lesson 8 in our Old Testament Bible History series. In this lesson, we'll learn about God's covenant with Noah. You can follow along in your Bible from Genesis 8, verse 20, through chapter 9. First, I have a question for you. Have you ever had the opportunity to look at a full moon through a telescope? Or maybe you've just seen a full moon on a clear night. I'd like you to imagine for a moment what the astronauts must have thought when they stepped onto the moon for the first time. Imagine stepping off that ladder into the dust on the moon. They certainly felt they were on a different planet. There was a different landscape in front of them. There were no animals. There were no people. They must have been filled with amazement about how they were stepping onto this new planet. I like to think that Noah must have felt something similar to that as he stepped out of the ark onto this earth that had a new beginning and was a complete, completely scraped clean of all this wickedness that existed before. Noah was amazed. I think Noah was especially amazed that he was spared alive with his family. He saw the signs out there on all the dead people and animals of God's judgment on sin. He only saw the animals that he took with him. He only saw his family. And so he receives that command to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And that's where we see him in this story. He comes off the ark and the very first thing he does as we follow Noah is to begin to gather some rocks. They're not to build him a house, but rather he is building an altar to the Lord. And he takes one of each of the clean animals, he kills them, and he puts them on this altar, and he sacrifices them to the Lord. And that smoke rises up to heaven, and the Bible tells us that the Lord smelled a sweet smell. He was pleased with this sacrifice of Noah. The Lord saw Noah. He saw that he was thankful. Noah prayed to the Lord at this time. What would you thank the Lord for? Well, I'm sure that Noah thanked the Lord for sunshine, for the dry earth, for the plants that were coming back, especially that he was spared and kept alive. He knew that he didn't deserve it, and he was thankful that the Lord had been so gracious to him. 
And so after the Lord is pleased with this sacrifice, God repeats to Noah that he is going to establish a covenant with him. There is going to be a covenant from God alone. God is going to be the author of this covenant. There is not something that Noah has to do for this covenant. It's going to be God alone. Many years before, Adam also had a covenant. And that covenant had a condition. He was not allowed to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that, that, that covenant had a condition. It had a promise if he obeyed, and it had a penalty if he disobeyed. And we know that Adam sinned, and he received his punishment, and we with him. But then the Lord graciously, in Genesis 3, verse 15, promises that there will be a future Savior that will deliver Adam from sin. There will be a promised seed that will save his church from sin and death. So here we have God establishing a covenant with Noah. And God wants to show Noah his blessing, and he is joining that with a sacrifice here. And we read in Genesis 9, verse 9 and 10, that God says, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you. Look at what these promises are that accompany this covenant. The first one is right away that the nature cycles, seed time and harvest, the seasons, day and night, they will always continue until the end of the world. God promises never again to send a flood to judge the world like this. The second thing is that God is showing his blessing by providing some commandments to support life. There are three specific commands that are given. The first one is for more life, and that is to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The second one is to protect life. And here we have the God-given penalty that is attached to murder, capital punishment. Man is made in the image of God, and that means that our life has value. And God says, you may not murder each other. And so God says, if you murder someone else, then your life also must be taken. The third command is to support life. And it's at this time that God gives all the animals as food for, Ad for Noah and for his family. And so Noah is also required to show reverence for life as a gift, and he is not allowed to behave like the animals who may eat each other. He is not allowed to eat the blood. The blood of the animals must be thrown away. And we also see that there is a sign of this covenant that is given, and that's the rainbow. God says, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token or a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. So the next time you see a rainbow, know that that is God's sign that he will never again destroy the earth with a flood. God says also that when he looks at it, he will remember his everlasting covenant. There's that word remember again. And that means that God is going to take action to make his promise to man firm and sure that it will indeed happen.
And so, from in front of this altar, Noah gets up and he goes out with his family into this world. Remember that Noah is still a sinner. He is not free from sin. Many years later, Noah has now become a grandfather, and he is a farmer. And he has established some sort of garden that has some vines, and he's harvesting these grapes. And in this garden, he also sins. Much like Adam sinned in a garden, Noah sins in a garden. And he sins against God, because his shame becomes uncovered. He's harvesting these grapes, he's made some wine, and he becomes drunk with this wine. He's not in control of himself anymore. And so he removes his clothes and he begins to stumble around and he goes into his tent and falls asleep. One of Noah's sons, Ham, he went into the tent where his father was and he looked at his father. He mocked with his father and he made light of sin. He leaves the tent and he tells his two brothers, Shem and Japheth, and they behaved honorably by taking a robe and walking backwards into the tent and laying that robe over their father. When Noah wakes up, he understands what has happened and he curses the son of the son that sinned against him. He curses Canaan, the son of Ham. Noah blessed the Lord God of Shem and also promised Japheth that there would be a future blessing for him. Let's spend a few moments looking at how the message of the story is relevant for us today and what its connection is for our life and how we can understand why this story is in the Bible. Because there is a very large number of puzzle pieces that have been put into the puzzle that is the Old Testament. We're going to see what an important story there is here and how this fits into the redemption plan of God or God's plan to go out and purchase his church back to him. First of all, we see that Noah blessed the Lord God of Shem. Lord God is that personal name of God, the name Jehovah. And here the name of Jehovah is being attached to the Shem family. In the future, there's going to be part of Shem's family where God is going to further work and to further build his church. We're going to see also that there's going to be a part of Shem's family in the future that is going to become the Jews who are going to be especially honored in the service of God. We can see in Genesis 9 verse 26, it says, God shall dwell in the tents of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. And so Canaan, who comes from Ham, is going to be in service to Shem. Japheth is promised to be enlarged and to dwell in the tents of Shem. In the future, the Gentiles would come from Japheth. And we can see here that the Gentiles are also going to benefit from this promise that Shem receives. The Gentiles will also get to take part in these covenant promises. And we can see that when the gospel begins to be preached around the world. Second, we can see who God is. He is merciful. God promises not to send another flood. He's going to have another solution for the sin 
that is in man. We can see third that God is almighty. He is in control of creation and he promises that seasons will continue. Fourth, we see that God is a God of relationships. He wants to be in relationship with his people. God is the father of creation and the provider, the upholder and maintainer of creation. And so we see that the Lord God of Shem, we see this covenant relationship between Shem and Jehovah. So this is the fifth thing I would like to mention. And that is this name Jehovah is a personal name of God. Do you know the meaning of your name? Some names mean very nice things. But today you can have someone whose name means strong and brave, but actually they act in a very weak and cowardly way. But we need to remember that in the Old Testament, the names of a person were very closely connected with their life and their character. If there was a change in someone's name, it often coincided or it was often connected with a change in their life's pathway. The next time you see a rainbow, pray that God would remember his covenant and also you. This brings us to a conclusion of this lesson where we have seen that God is the author of his covenant with Noah. We have also seen that God is using the three sons of Noah to set a course for the future of all humans. In our next lesson, we're going to learn about a man whose name perfectly matched his character.